0: Now let us uh, turn to the Word. We are are reading from Hebrews chapter 10, the book of Hebrews chapter 10, reading from verse 35 until chapter 11, verse 3. You would know already that the context for this part of the the chapter uh, starts off from the beginning of chapter 10 itself, where the writer uh, speaks about the sufferings of the the people to whom his writing have gone through the trials and uh, imprisonment and things like this. And uh, he tells them now uh, the importance of continuing faith, not to give up, that the true faith is always a persevering faith. And he warns some of the dangers of abandoning the faith they once had. So we come to chapter uh, verse 35 in chapter 10. This is the word of the Lord. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, And the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Now, in chapter 11, verse 1 to 3, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good morning everyone. I'll get myself sorted here. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. That's true. The mountains are His. The valleys are His. The stars are his handiwork too. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. That's true. I just sang a children's song. And if you know Colin Buchanan, you've heard that song a few times. It sounds like many of you know that song. The song rehearses the biggest truth from the Hebrews passage that we just heard this morning and at first you might think that the biggest truth is that god is the creator of the mountains and the valleys and the stars well that truth is definitely in our passage it's not the biggest truth the biggest truth is our god is so big so strong and so mighty there's nothing our god cannot do this month most of our Bible growth groups, that is our Bible studies, will begin the year with this, with the program or with the study called Six Steps to Talking About Jesus. And the series equips and encourages us to talk to others about our faith in Jesus, the one who is our Savior and our Lord. The big truth you'll want firmly in your mind as you share... Is that your God is so big, so strong, and so mighty that there is nothing your God cannot do. Why? Well, because of this, our faith stands on what God says, on what God does, on what God promises. You see, our faith is anchored to who God is, to His character. So our faith may be small, our faith may be weak, our faith may be feeble, but anchored to the God who is big and strong and mighty. That emboldens us. It emboldens us to tell others about the one who rescues all those who call on him in faith. So the big question for each one of us to consider in our own lives Is where is your faith anchored? Is your faith the kind of faith where it's unanchored to reality? It doesn't match up with what you see around you. Or is your faith rightly anchored to God's word and to the Lord Jesus Christ? Let's consider that first one, that faith, the idea that that's out there in the world, that faith is really unanchored to reality. See, faith in our world is wrongly often called blind faith or a leap of faith. And consider these misunderstandings of faith. Well-known atheist Richard Dawkins defines faith this way, believing something in the absence of evidence. Another atheist, a well-known talk show host named Bill Maher, he gives a definition of faith as well. He defines it as the purposeful suspension of critical thinking. See, faith defined in those ways lends itself to what is commonly misunderstood in our world as blind faith or a leap of faith. Those misunderstandings allow people to think that everyone who claims to have faith in an ism or in some religion stands on equal footing. My ism, my understanding of religion is the same as everyone else's because truth, reality, critical thinking are suspended when we speak about religion. That's a misunderstanding of faith. At the core of this misunderstanding is a prejudice. And the prejudice is this. It assumes that reality does not support faith. Or even worse, that faith somehow opposes reality. See, by calling faith blind or some kind of leap, faith is removed from reality. So think about it. In the library of ideas, in some people's mind, faith is in the fiction section, along with all the other fairy tales. And like all fairy tales, all you really need to do is just believe. That's enough. Reality is just suspended. And Christian, we make a, a terrible mistake, a crucial mistake, when we discuss faith on those terms. When we allow this idea of a blind faith or a leap in the dark to creep into the discussion Of what we are holding as genuine faith. We mistakenly think that a passage like Hebrews 11.1. That we read earlier. That verse that says now faith. Is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. When we think that verse is somehow teaching blind faith. After all it does mention in the verse right. We see it right there. The conviction of those things not seen. So does Hebrews 11.1 call for blind faith unanchored to reality? Well, I think the Oxford English Dictionary defines faith in a better way. Its definition says that it's belief based on evidence, testimony, or authority. And I think this definition better aligns with a biblical understanding of faith. As an example, I believe that there is a country called China, though I've never visited that country. But I think there are other countries that exist as well that I've never visited. Brazil, Portugal, Benin, New Zealand. I'm sure they all exist. I've just never been there. And I'm sure they all exist because there are authorities. I can consult encyclopedia, maybe even Wikipedia. I'm not sure that's an authority. But anyway, I can consult these things and find out. And I know many of you who have visited these places. And you tell me, and I believe you, that those places exist. You've been there. And so given that understanding of faith, that it's... Belief based on evidence, testimony, or authority. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. This is what it says. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that what is seen is not made out of the things that are visible. Now, who is the authority In that verse. Who is the authority that speaks about the origin of creation? Well, it's God himself, isn't it? God himself. Via the creation account recorded at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapters one to three. God himself. Moses wrote it down as God told him about it. Now we may still have a lot of questions about how God did all that he did in creation. And the Bible doesn't record all the details. But faith calls for us to trust God's word. It's the authority. And it calls for us to trust that he created everything. However, even with many details missing, it's not blind faith, because creation is not a fairy tale, is it? It's not suspended reality. This is creation. It's where we live. This is reality. And as reality, it reveals much about our Creator God. Romans 1 tells us that He is a powerful God, that He is all powerful, that He is mighty, That he is worth giving thanks to as our creator God. And creation itself can be investigated. It can be studied. It can be contemplated. We call it science. You observe. You look around. You study things. See believers, we are commended for believing that the Bible teaches that an orderly good God created an orderly good creation. To glorify himself and for the benefit of all those he created. We believe this and there is real evidence for our faith in God's word. So that's dealing with the misunderstanding of faith. A faith unanchored to reality. But now let's look at a faith that's rightly anchored. That faith that is rightly anchored, according to Hebrews, is what provides the assurance of things hoped for. Because biblical faith does rest on the credibility of the one who we believe and on those who testify to what they have seen. Faith embraces evidence and investigates all that we can uncover. So we look at God's word and we study it and we learn more about who God is. And we look at God's world and we study it and we look at history and we study it and we see that there is much evidence. For us to understand who God is and what he's done in this world and faith anchored to reality also endures scrutiny It it invites, encourages critical thinking. Think about your faith. Think about what you're trusting in. The Bible isn't shy away from that. We do not fear inquiry or opposition. In addition, biblical faith looks beyond what we can see and looks ahead to what God promises will come to pass in his plan. So as a Bible study group all the different groups in our, in our church, we're going to be talking about sharing our faith. And so as we talk with others and share our faith, we welcome questions from friends. We welcome those who might want to critically try and figure out all these things. Friends and family and coworkers, maybe even people that are really opposed to belief in Jesus Christ. But we welcome those questions because we have a faith in a God who is true. And it's not a blind faith. We're not asking our friends to jump off a cliff. We're asking them to believe in something that's real and true. And that's what we're going to do together as a church. Back to Hebrews 11.1. Hebrews 11.1 says it this way when it talks about looking forward. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So that the reality that we can perceive provides enough evidence to rationally believe in a creator God. But his plan for our future is not limited to all that we see here. There's something greater. There's something more. There's something ahead. And that's what the whole of chapter 11 is pointing the people to. All of these believers from the past who were looking ahead for God to do something to fulfill his promise. There is something ahead, something beyond all that we see right now. Well, my little granddaughter, she has only experienced one year of life. Well, plus the nine months she spent in her mommy's tummy. Well, in that year, her understanding of reality has grown. But it's still very limited. It's limited to the home, to her parents, to her grandparents, and to a few friends. She has a lot of evidence, though. In that one year, she has had a lot of evidence from all of us that people love her, that people provide for her, and that she has been kept safe. And the evidence gives her great assurance that when she's hungry and when she cries out for a bottle, guess what? A bottle is coming. See, our God does the same for his people. We begin our walk of faith quite limited in our understanding of who God is. We don't know him well, but he is faithful. And he gives enough consistent evidence of his love over and over again. And we can trust him. And as we grow in faith and we look ahead to what God will provide. Well, we go back to that verse in verse one. We have great assurance of hope that he will provide, that he will do what he promised. Also, we become more convinced More convicted as we study God's word, as we get to know him, as we grow to understand him, that all he says in his word, it must be so. Our father does not lie. He loves us and he is fully trustworthy. So, friends, brothers and sisters, where is your faith anchored? Do you realize that biblical faith is evidence-based? It's not a blind leap in the dark. Biblical faith is not afraid of reality or opposed to investigation. Believers have reason on our side and are not those who believe in fiction or fairy tales. Better yet, our God, our Father in heaven, he assures each of his children That he loves them. And he can be trusted both now and into eternity. Okay, so we've talked about that faith, that misconception of faith unconnected to reality. We've talked about how faith can be properly connected. Now let's talk about faith properly connected to a person, to Christ Jesus. See, our faith is not only evidence-based. It is anchored in a relationship with Christ Jesus. Now, it's likely that the recipients of this letter to the Hebrews did get a bit shaky on their faith in Jesus. And that's why, from the opening of the letter, the writer of Hebrews Reminds believers that Jesus is superior. He's superior to angels. He's superior to Moses. He's superior to Aaron. To Abraham. Jesus is the better high priest. Who reigns forever. And his sacrifice was full. And final. Hebrews reminds its readers. That nothing is better than Jesus or his work. So how, it, how are you and I then? How are you to know that our faith anchored to Christ is correct? Is that the right place to place our faith? Well, first off, we know that because Jesus has proven trustworthy. When Jesus was on earth, he invited inquiry and scrutiny. He wanted people to investigate, to watch him, to see him. Here's what he said in a place like John 10 37 and 38, one of the Gospels. He said this to the crowd. He says, if I'm not doing the works of my father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe, believe the works themselves that you may know and understand that I am in the father and the father is in me. See, we have the written word of God, which contains eyewitness testimony from the apostles, those men who lived with him, who saw him, who ate with him, who saw the miracles that he did, and they bear witness of what they saw and heard. It's written down. You can check it out yourself. So Christ is trustworthy and he has also done cleansing on his people. He has cleansed his people and he's gathering them together. Another evidence that this faith is right. So if you go back to your passage in Hebrews chapter 10, just scroll back a little bit in the passage Look at verse 19 to 22, and I'm not going to read it all, but just so you can follow, you can scan where I'm getting this from. First, Jesus' blood allows us. In fact, the writer says we can have confidence to enter into God's presence because we have been sprinkled clean. Our hearts have been cleansed. Our bodies have been washed. All because of Jesus. All of this was promised by God. So that we can hold fast to his promise and then encourage others. Let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. Encouraging one another that our hearts have been cleansed. Our bodies have been washed. We stand clean and we can go to the throne of grace confidently because of Jesus. But another reason to have confidence in Jesus, and this is going to sound kind of funny, but another reason to have confidence in Jesus is because we suffer for our faith. And you're thinking, wait a minute, that doesn't sound right. That sounds terrible. Let me just say, faith does not stay in a box on our shelf. So look at chapter 10, verse 32. I'm going to read this together with you. It reminds the readers of the impact of their faith, that impact that it had on their life. Here's what he says. After you were enlightened, in other words, after you came to faith, you saw Jesus, you trusted to him. After you were enlightened, you endured hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. Your faith, Made you stand. Your faith brought you together with others who were suffering. Your faith, you suffered for it. You don't suffer for something that's meaningless. You suffer for something that's solid and real. These people suffered for their faith. Let me go on. For you had compassion on those in prison. And you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. Since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession, an abiding one. What's he saying? Again, your faith said this world's stuff, this world's property is nothing compared to what's ahead. Your faith has an impact on how you live. You're not unwilling to suffer. You're willing to suffer because your faith is real. You're even willing to identify with others who suffer for their faith. Walking together. See, faith moved these Hebrews, the recipients of this letter to the Hebrews. It moved them to sacrifice possessions. To support those who suffer. And pull together, awaiting the promise of God. And verse 37 and 38 carries on, 35 to 38, sorry, tells believers then to remain confident in Christ's work and to endure doing the will of God. What is the will of God? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Forgive one another. Those things are hard sometimes, aren't they? Carrying on in faith. Living by faith over the long haul is how we receive the promise of God. And so verse 39 really sums up all this, saying this. Look at it in your text. We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Believer, we are anchored by faith to a person. Who did everything to fulfill God's promise for us. God's promise to cleanse and unite his people together into his eternal kingdom is taking place right now. Look around you. Your brothers and sisters in Christ from every nation, tribe, and tongue. We've got many of them represented here. God is gathering his people. He's done it through history. You can study the history of the church and see how God has gathered his people in this faith that we're talking about. Together, God's people walk in faith. We do endure hardship. This world is nothing compared to the world that's ahead. And that causes us to endure hardship. And then we also invite others to call on him in faith. Our Christian faith is not an ism. It's not a religion of do's and don'ts. Our God is so big, so strong, and so mighty that he kept his promise to reconcile and to make righteous all those Who have their faith anchored to Jesus. Where is your faith anchored? Is your faith anchored to Jesus? If so, share both the facts that you know about him. And the relationship, that personal relationship you have with the person of Jesus Christ. Share that with others. You may feel small and weak. And feeble, even a bit shaky at times in your faith. But Hebrews has taught us, right? This morning, Hebrews has taught us to trust, to endure, to remember that nothing is better than Jesus and his work. You are anchored to the God who keeps all his promises, And if you are unanchored to Jesus, if you don't know Jesus or what we're talking about, you don't know the person Jesus Christ, let alone all the facts from the scriptures that talk about him, I would encourage you to do this. Talk to anyone in our congregation who knows him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are indeed grateful for your mercy, your kindness, Your sacrifice. We give you praise that you are the great one. You are the one who kept all those promises. You are gathering a people. You've cleansed us. Thank you. I pray for any here who don't know you yet. Lord, may we as the body. Be willing to share with any who ask us of the hope. That's within us. Lord. that sure hope. That hope beyond the grave. That hope of eternity, life with you forevermore. Help us to share these things well. In your name we pray. Amen.